There are many, many, many ways that are quicker, cheaper, and less painful to find out that 40,000 people don't like your face. And I would recommend that you try all of them before you have the parliament. This is a podcast for the infinitely curious, where we share stories, invite others to share stories, and sometimes just talk for the hell of it. So, take a few minutes out of your busy day, sit back and join our host, Steve Windus, batting the breeze. If you've spent much of your life living in a free and open democracy, you'll be accustomed to that regular cycle, say every four or five years, when you're asked to vote. Suddenly we become very important to those candidates standing for power. But who are these parliamentary candidates? Have you ever met one? Why on earth do they do it? Well, to find out, I caught up with one. I was born in Bristol, grew up. For the first 13 years. This is Edward Morello, by the way, from West Dorset in the southwest of England. In 2019, he ran for Parliament for the West Dorset constituency, actually. Just prior to the election being called, British politics was devouring itself on the subject of Brexit, whether Britain should leave the European Union or not. Parliament had turned toxic, to say the least. Or even any sort of great momentous occasion in my childhood that would um, explain the pattern of my life. But he's such a nice chap. I wanted to know why he thought he would make a good MP. I think the perception of Westminster and and the House of Commons and what goes on on a daily basis, and obviously most personified by that Wednesday Parliament uh, Prime Ministerial question, is exactly that gladiatorial, antagonistic, us versus them approach to politics, which I hate in all of its shape and form. If we want better politics, we have to elect better politicians. Fundamentally, our entire political system is broken, uh, or it would certainly need in reform. But the only way you can do that is from within the system. Precisely because I think there's a better way of doing it, that I put myself forward to, to get into Parliament in the hope that you can change it from the inside. There was no point at which I woke up in the morning and decided that I wanted to do it. I was getting increasingly angry at the television and the radio. And my wife said, you should do this. Just go and do this. And yeah, my my wife downloaded the forms within 45 minutes and put them in front of me and said, (laughs) do it now. And so she's entirely to blame. It then follows a fairly arduous screening programme involving assessment days, role-play exercises and being grilled by party officials. If you're lucky enough to pass screening and make it to a shortlist of, say, three to five potential candidates, you then conduct a short campaign within the constituency itself, culminating in hustings, i.e. public meetings, where you give speeches, answer questions and hopefully win the vote. And you're the PPC, the prospective parliamentary candidate, right up until the election is called. And then you are the parliamentary candidate and you run through the election. I'll be honest, Steve, it's pretty boring. (laughs) 
And did you have anyone at this point sense checking your sanity? The one thing that does happen is suddenly people, everyone goes, um, oh, do you know what? I know somebody who's run for Parliament. Would you like me to put you in touch? There's actually quite a lot of people who have historically (laughs) run for Parliament. And the overriding denominator of all of that is that they didn't win. (laughs) Very few people won. So what you do is you end up meeting lots of people who didn't win. And actually, that's not particularly helpful. My advice is do not talk to anyone who's run for Parliament because... All they can tell you is how they lost. You need to go into it with blinkers on and run at it at 100 miles an hour like nobody's ever done this before. And you're the first person of thinking of the crazy idea of knocking on people's doors and just go and do it. So having budgeted to lose a salary for up to six weeks, all that's left to do is to tell the boss that you're a PPC and may need to down tools at a moment's notice. And indeed, on the 29th of October 2019, MPs backed Boris Johnson's call for an election, and Edward was on the battle bus the very next day. So a big thing, for example, is hustings. Hustings are effectively town hall meetings with all of the candidates and questions. They tend to be organised all around the constituency, so that as many people as possible have an opportunity to hear from the candidates in person. But to be honest, most of it is churn. It's just how many doors can you knock on? Parliamentary candidates rely heavily on the goodwill and hard work of a team, campaign manager, constituency organiser, data officer, and hopefully an army of supporters. And it is start at the sun up and end at sundown. People don't tend to like knocking on the door after the sun's gone down. Fair enough. But you start at the sun up, you end at sundown, and you do that solidly every single day, seven days a week for four to six weeks um, until you can't do it anymore. (laughs) When you get home you invariably got a call with your campaign team uh, and then you have to sit at your computer and answer the anywhere between 100 to 200 emails that you receive. And I guess you get quite good at rejection? It, it is personal. There's no way to get around that. I had somebody who refused to shake my hand. You know, I'm not voting for you lot. I'm not even going to shake your hand. I did have, it was actually a retirement block of flats and there was a knock on the door and this little old lady opened the, the door a crack and I'm, I'm six foot three she was probably three foot two um this tiny little old lady opened the door and she said yes dear and i said hello I'm, I'm edward i'm your liberal democrat parliamentary candidate are you dear yes i am oh, well in that case you can fuck off and slam the door in my face and you go okay i mean that was definitely just <laughs> <laughs> There are many, many, many ways that are quicker, cheaper, and less painful to find out that 40,000 people don't like your face. And I would recommend that you try all of them before you have the parliament. Presumably for every one of those rejections, you get one that says, yes, I'm going to vote for you. And you can take that personally as well. I mean, it's not one for one. It would have been a lot closer. (laughs) (laughs) It's about five to one, if I'm honest. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. No, it is. It, it is. It is an ego boost. There's no two ways about it. That's the, that's the high you're living for, right? Well, I guess five to one in sales terms is is quite a good return, isn't it? It's great conversion rate. Great conversion rate. Terrible in politics. <laughs> And then, what about the costs? As soon as the election is called. 
the period to voting day is known as the short campaign and expenditure is capped. It's about £15,000 that you can spend in a short campaign, which when you think that you've got to reach 80,000 people, potentially, that's not a lot per head, right? So you have a very, very small amount to spend and that literally goes on printing stuff that you're going to shove through people's doors. West Dorset is 400 square miles of area that you've got to crisscross in a car and you're not the only one doing it. Print the paper, you know, everything, it all stacks up. I mean, it is phenomenally expensive. Presumably you could save money by jumping in a car with your opposition. Yeah. <laughs> Just pooling resources. We'll deliver your leaflets, you deliver ours. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. If only there was more collaboration. One of the most common sights during an election is that of the stake boards that appear in people's front gardens. Vote this, vote that. And so, you know, there are people constantly driving around the constituency with stake boards um, and not just putting them in the ground, but then going back five days later to replace the one that's been nicked by, you know, a supporter of the other side. Um, they were constantly being defaced. Um, I, I had a couple in my garden. I, I, every morning I had to go and get out of a neighbor's hedge. But we had one where a lady, uh, very grand house, um, said, I, I want one on my driveway. Really piss off the neighbours. I was like, okay, fine. So we went up there. We gave her the biggest one we had. Right by these huge, ornate, wrought iron gates, right? This huge, great big side of the building. And she rang me up the next day. She said, um, I need a new stake board. My, I said, oh, no, what's it? You're in Nick. She said, no, it's been, it's been defaced. I was like, oh, okay. People just do this stuff. She goes, oh, and it's the Conservatives. I said, well, we, we don't know that for sure. She goes, oh, we do. They've put their stake board in next to ours. <laughs> Literally hammered their own one in next to ours and spray painted over it. I was like, I mean, you know, scene of the crime. I've <laughs> lost plausible deniability on this one, chat. <laughs> Eventually, election day arrives. It's late in the night, probably. Rival candidates are standing on the platform, watching the votes being counted, and then waiting for the declaration. The thing is, you already know the result by the time you're up there. They are literally put into massive bundles on the table. So you can look at your bundle and you know the answer. <laughs> and if, if the piles on the two tables look really close, then then you may contest it and, and, and have a recount. And if it's not, and you look at all of your supporters and sort of all agree that you know, it, it's, it's definitely not on your way, then you know, you're allowed to go through. And then the following morning, you don't have to get out of bed to bang on doors. It's all over. Um, what are your thoughts then? It probably took me longer than I thought it would to process it. So you sort of poodle about and do all of those things that you haven't done and start chucking out stuff you've got to chuck out and trying to return your front room to something, some semblance of normalcy rather than looking like a, uh, a Lib Dem gift shop. Uh, so, yeah, it is weird, though, you know. You get, up, you get up on Monday and you go back to work, right? And you start clearing out your inbox of the bazillion emails that <laughs> you've had in over the last four weeks. So there you have it. It's complicated. It's hard work. It's expensive. It's nearly broken. Most of us want it but not many of us are prepared to do much to protect it. I'll leave Edward with the final message. If we want to have a functioning democracy, if we want to 
enjoy all of the benefits that come from from living in a free and open society, then we we need people willing to participate in it. We need people who are willing to put themselves forward. That's the that's the bulwark. That's the defence that we have. So please do not hesitate. Do not think I can't be the person to do it. You are exactly the person that needs to do it. If you've enjoyed batting the breeze with us, please share the podcast with a friend and perhaps leave a review to help new listeners find our show. Check out show notes and other great stories at battingthebreeze.com. By the way, if you have stories that you think would be informative, amusing or thought-provoking, emotionally stirring, or perhaps would deliver a message of hope or inspiration, then why not head over to battingthebreeze.com and let us know. Thank you for listening.